Shatisha. They are associate pastors, and they are just as fiery, uh, only their fire is like, it's like balled up with like a love, love explosion, yes. a love fire explosion. <laughs> <laughs> so thank you guys all for being here. And um, so today, our discussion ingredients. Here's a quote by Dallas Willard. There is no problem in human life that apprenticeship to Jesus cannot solve. That's a pretty awesome quote. I don't know if you guys have ever heard of Dallas Willard, but he'd be a good one to find some books to read by him. So today we're going to be talking about discipleship. So I just want to, uh, we're going to take some questions from you guys in just a minute, but we're going to open up with one question for these guys to answer first, just to kick it off. So my question to you guys is, what does it mean? Not everybody at once because it causes confusion. All right. I'll just go ahead and jump in here. <laughs> so, I mean, a disciple is primarily a learner or a, or a student. And so, you know, it, it's an intentional thing. It's not like you can accidentally be a disciple. It's like someone who's a student at Ohio State University. You know whether you are one or you know whether you aren't one. And so a disciple is not like some advanced level of Christianity where it's like, okay, I started off as like a servant and I'm working my... No, it's... Um, if you're a Christian, you... you sh well... I guess it's possible to be saved and not be a disciple. You just won't get any of the promises of the scriptures. You know, every promise in the Bible is written by disciples for disciples. And so I really like Dallas's, uh, Dallas Willard's description of a disciple as an apprentice of Jesus. When you think of an apprentice, the idea is that I'm going to actually be able to do what they do. You know, if someone's a horseshoe apprentice, they're not just taking it as a theory and then they're going to, like, drop it, right? You know, they're going to... Uh, they're going to learn how to make horseshoes, right? And so if you're an apprentice of Jesus, you're going to learn how to do the things that he's doing in the way that he did them. And so, uh, so I, I like this way of thinking of a, of a disciple is I'm with Jesus, learning from him how to be like him. And so I'll, I'll just say it one more time. I'm with Jesus, learning from him how to be like him. So that's my picture of a disciple. Yeah, I, I believe that you, you've got to have hunger. A disciple is a hungry person. He was constantly wanting, wanting to grow, constantly reaching, and wanting to, 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 uh, to experience more and more and more. If I could just give more of myself to be uh, more and more like the teacher. It's not, it's not trying to, uh, to do works to do it. It's just knowing his heart, and his heart is always good, and it wants the best for him. So he's constantly reaching for that. So it's less like a boot camp and more like a marriage. Yes, <laughs> Continually absolutely. growing. Yeah, I like that. You guys have anything to add? Those are good. They got it covered. All right, cool. Well, so this is, uh, we want your involvement now, our audience out there. We would like to know, how were you discipled? If you were discipled. Maybe you weren't even discipled. So we want to, so in the comment section, just start writing down, maybe just short, brief, and powerful, how you were discipled. And after that, we would love for you to put in any questions about discipleship that you have. We're going to keep it in the realm of discipleship, remember. We're not talking about <laughs> politics or COVID or any other agenda. Or end that, times. Or end times, you know, <laughs> all that stuff. Um, we're just talking about discipleship. So if you have any questions around that subject, we would love for you to type them in the comments. And I'm going to have these guys give their best answer. Does that sound good? All right, so um, I actually am curious, how were you guys discipled? Wow. Let me share a story. Uh, my first uh, introduction to discipleship actually came from my mother. And, and it was something, you know, just something basic like washing dishes. You know, I was too short to, to actually reach the sink. And, you know, that was my excuse. I couldn't reach it. And my mom put a book on the ground and said, stand on that. And, and she began to show me. First, she demonstrated how to do it. And then she said, here, stand on that, and you do it. We didn't have dishwashers, so I watched how she did it, and I carefully done it as well. And it just, it just opened my eyes up to, well, I can do it if I just uh, follow after what she's saying, the instructions she gave me. So that really opened me up. And then when I encountered Jesus, I kind of applied that same thing. You know, he's the teacher. I'm the student. He knows what's right, how to do it. I followed after that. Wow, that's amazing, Derek. That's a great example of just like picking up from, because we, if you think about it, we're all discipled by somebody or something somewhere, <laughs> if you really yeah, get a good. little bit more general. So I love how you picked that up and just applied it to Jesus. Anitra, were you going to say something? Yeah, um, I would say 
Um, I would say I was discipled in like a variety of ways. I wouldn't just be like one way. Um, when I was a new Christian, it was just doing life on life with people. It was really relational um, with more mature Christians and people been walking with Jesus for a while. It was just like we raised our kids next to each other. We did play dates at the park and had coffee and just talked about Jesus and talked about real life. Like, what does this look like? How do we get through hard times at the time my husband wasn't saved? So, you know, I had a lot of um, amazing women walk with me through that. And then just like keep to keep praying for him and what it looked like to to live that out for myself. And then like later on, when I really wanted to was like really drawn towards ministry and a calling. And then I just pursued spiritual parents, you know, people who really had a heart, um, who were ahead of me, who had done things and just pursued. Like I went to their Bible studies, I went to their classes and I asked questions and served them and I kind of positioned myself like to receive from them. And they you know, I just, I think that's a lot of it is like with discipleship, you position yourself to serve and to learn like humbly from people. And then they just invested in my life just year after year. So, For me, um, you know, I think discipleship, it's, it's all about the posture of your heart. And um, uh, it's, it's hard to point back at like one specific person yeah. that like discipled me. Um, but collectively you can look back at the leaders, the, um, I'm, I'm even thinking of, of foremans I've had in, in secular jobs and things like that, that, um, just the way that they handled situations, the way that they, um, interacted with people where they could have reacted in anger, they reacted, you know, with grace and, and peace and all of those little things, like it, it was almost like the Holy Spirit, was in me, and he was he was uh, encouraging me to eat the meat and spit out the bones. That 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 you know, hey, what you just saw there, like take, internalize that, take that, and um, and so for me, I think it was a it was a combination of experiences that I've had with leaders of people who are in authority over my life, but also with peers. Like it's it's um, you know, for my wife and I, we we have a, a great group of friends that are passionate, you know, for Jesus and. Um, you know, many of them we've been running with for 10 or 15 years. And so, um, you know, it, it encourages us when we get around them, we're, we're on fire. Like if, if one of us is in the valley, the other's on the mountain and, and, and there's this iron sharpening iron. And so I think that you can be discipled by leaders, but you can also be discipled by peers and you become, you know, a product of the people that you hang around with. And so, um, I like to hang around with people who challenge me, who encourage me, who, uh, who who uh, stir up the fire in me. And so that's just my experience. Yeah, I, I guess for me, I think the primary uh, discipling for me took place through my parents. I mean, they were uh, just the best example of Jesus, the, uh, the kindness, the love. And so I really, I really hit the lotto on the family I was born into. I'm just going to be honest with you guys. And so, you know, I can remember, I, I think I surrendered my heart to the Lord. You know, I became born again, probably when I was about seven or eight, you know, but I think you get discipled before you even become a Christian. In other words, you start, you start carrying the values. You start seeing what's important. You start, they're, they're pouring salt on your tongue, making you thirsty for the things of the Lord. And so I can remember just coming home or coming down in the morning, and Dad would be there in his, uh, in his shirt and tie with a sport coat hung over the, you know, he wore a suit to work, and uh, with it over the chair. And he'd be there with his Bible open every single morning. And that, that just shapes you. It's like I see Dad who's seeking God, you know. Uh, the way my mom prays with just passion and just her heart, you know, as, as you hear those things, it's kind of shapes you in how you pray, you know, how you, it's not just this cold prayer, it's this passionate prayer, and I'd hear her praying in tongues, and so I think I caught a lot of it, you know, and then a lot, a lot was leaders, you know, just pouring into my lives and, and speaking things, hey, Jim, I, if, you, if you continue in this road, it's going to hang you, you know, you've got this area of pride in your life, and so, you know, we just, I think the Lord's just been good. I think the primary spiritual transformation uh, for me takes place in my marriage, you know, you, uh, if you, in case you haven't figured out, you can't hide in your marriage. Mm. You know, it's like, <laughs> you know, in front of other people, you can put your best face forward. But uh, at home, that's who you really are. And so I think that, uh, you know, just us getting to, you know, shape each other and encourage each other and uh, you know, help each other grow, that's been, uh, if you want to grow, that, that's a good place to grow. <laughs> so. And all the married people said, Amen. <laughs> <laughs> Here is a, some, something someone posted. I had a college roommate that was a fiery, spirit-filled 
filled believer who loved people in our dorm. She showed me what love looked like. I think, you know, that's just a perfect example of just hearing everybody's different ways that they were discipled. We all come from different backgrounds, and, and you know, some of us were raised in church. Some of us didn't get saved till later in life, but discipleship is among all of it. <laughs> it's like you can't get away from discipleship. So those are, those are great. Thank you guys for sharing that. Well, as you guys are typing in some more questions about discipleship, I'm going to keep asking these guys questions until I get your questions, okay? So get busy. All right, so here's your next question. What does discipleship look like in everyday life? Well, I think one of the uh, mistakes sometimes we make is we think discipleship is for our spiritual life, but it's actually for your whole life. You know, God's actually concerned with your whole life in that. And so uh, he said, you know, whatever you do, whether in word or in deed, do it in the name of the Lord Jesus. In other words, do it the way he did it, in the manner that he did it, empowered by the Holy Spirit. And so, you know, that, I think that the focus of discipleship <clears throat> is, you know, I'm, uh, I'm learning from him how to be like him. So I'm learning how to do the works that he did. You know, Jesus said, the works I do, you'll do these things. So I'm learning from him how to do miracles. Uh, I'm learning from him how to, you know, he says, uh, teach them to obey everything I've commanded you. So... Uh, let's just take, like, bless those who curse you. I don't know why I turn to you, bless those who curse you. I'm not sure why. Uh, you just, just seem there. I've never cursed you. <laughs> you never cursed me. Well, don't start, okay? But uh, you just happen to be on my left side here. And so, it's, uh, so yeah, yeah, I can read that. But now uh, I'm learning from him, God, how do I actually do this? You know, it, Jesus actually intends for us to put his words into practice. You know, and so I, I think, you're, you know, I'm a dis- if you're discipling somebody, you're discipling to the point that you're getting them connected to the vine. Discipleship's not like I get this black belt and all of a sudden I've got all these goodies and now come to me for all the answers. No, Paul said, follow me as I follow Christ. Paul's trying to get them connected into the vine. And so, uh, so to, what was the question again? <laughs> I was just telling these guys beforehand, this is what Jim does. If you ask him a question, he answers a totally different question. So I think it's actually one of the spiritual gifts. Okay, but it's, the it's, question uh, is, what does this discipleship look like in everyday life? Yes. And so I, I think you're learning to do the works. I think you're learning to put in his commands. But you, then you're learning how to live your actual life. And so what I'm talking about is your finances, your family, your job. If you're a hot dog vendor on the streets of New York, um, you can learn from Jesus how to do that because he's actually an expert on everything. He's supreme over all creation. So I think that's really important to th- the, the idea that I'm – I'm learning from him my whole life from him. That's really good. Um, I think the other to go along with that is, is everything in word and deed. And uh, do you actually live the life that you talk about? Um, you know, some people, they, uh, they talk the talk, but they don't walk the walk. And that's, that's what it looks like every day. It's like you may not have an opportunity to share with somebody what grace looks like, but you've got plenty of opportunities to demonstrate it. And, and so it looks like, you know, every interaction, it looks like um, the, the, the waiters, the waitresses, the cashiers, it looks like so the good. people that, you know, you see somebody struggling to put groceries in the back of their car and you walk over and help. Um, you, you know, you can talk about loving people and loving like Jesus, but it's another thing day in and day out to actually do it, to actually be the hands and feet and, and allow your life to speak as loud as your, as your words. And so I think to me, being a disciple and discipling, you know, it, it, there's an emphasis on word and deed. What, 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 what are you talking about? And does your faith actualize, you know, are you actualizing what your faith realizes? Um, I think it's really key. I think um, the day in, day out for me is just both on like for myself, it's just remaining teachable and um, just open and humble before the Lord to just kind of keep short accounts and just let him keep speaking to my heart about what it looks like to walk out. Like Josh was saying, like, what does it look like to actually walk out what he's telling me, not just, you know, 10 years ago, but staying like open for that word to like have fresh like fire on it. And like, what does that look like right now? You know, it would look different when my kids were little and now we're doing ministry. My kids are older. Like, what does this look like right now? What does it look like with what we're going through? And just staying, letting that stay fresh for me. And I think, like for other people, as far as like everyday discipleship is for me is so relational. I don't I don't know how to do discipleship without having relationship with people. Um, I feel like otherwise it comes off kind of like 
well, you're telling me what to do, but you don't really know me. And I feel like like people receive when they're like, you see me, like you see my heart. And so I feel like a lot of discipleship is listening. And it's listening to God while you're listening, Holy Spirit, That's while good. you're listening to the person. And like really and not putting your own stuff, <laughs> your own like, hey, this is what it worked for me on them without really listening. And what Josh was saying, like people need to see love. Like I, I had of a, can I give an example? Yeah. Yeah. So I have, um, for someone who came to our ministry, that came to Overflow a lot, and uh, um, he was actually, he was with Outreach, and he would come and he would tell me, he'd be like, you keep telling me God loves me, but I, I don't know how to receive that. And he would just be like, I don't, I keep hearing it, but I just don't get it. And um, they would come and help us put up Christmas decorations, and we were renovating, and I was driving him one day, and he's like, I got it. And I was like, what do you mean? He's like, I got it. I know God loves me. You kept telling me he didn't see my sin. I was like, well, so what clicked? You know, was this a great message you heard? You know, and he's <laughs> like, of course not. You know, and um, he said, no, it was um, your son and another little girl on the Mondays. He said they would always run to me and hug me. He said they don't wow. realize I'm the guy on the side of the street that you lock your door. You sh I'm the bad guy. And he's like, I'm the one you should lock your door when you're driving by. But he is like, I realize they don't see that. They just, they don't see it at all. And he realized that's how God sees me. He's like, wow. and I finally got it. And it was, and so I think that's, people need to see it. And um, discipleship is being patient, as patient as God is <laughs> with people until they get it. So. Hey, uh, Nietzsche, I just want to stay on you for a second. And um, what, what would you say to mothers who, man, their, their kids are really little and they are struggling at discipleship and, like, just getting their, themselves discipled. Like, what, what would you say to that? What I, advice would you give? I mean, I know what, what I did was um, just connect. Like, if you see other mothers who, like, there's other moms who are at, after Jesus, who love Jesus. And so getting connected to those moms, you can go to the park and push kids on the swing and talk about Jesus. And, like, there's That's all good. kinds of ways to do it. I used to, I think I actually went and did deliverance and would be doing inner healing with people, like when my one kid colored. You know, <laughs> it's just at the table because, honestly, like, they can be doing all kinds of stuff. And they're just seeing you live the life and live it with Jesus and love people. Um, and you just kind of, I, we just have our kids always just come along and be a part of it. And uh, so I would just say you don't have to, you can schedule it around nap times, you know, you can do it. You can seek out discipleship and God makes a way. That's so good. I love to you, like just from a, a parent's perspective, it, when we're getting discipled, when we include our kids, they're actually getting discipled on accident, you yeah. know, so. And, and me personally, I, I have worked with young men that were very challenging in life. I mean, some, been in some real dark situations. So it's important to be a disciple because it, it, Jesus said that all power was given unto him by the Father. And he said, therefore, go and make disciples. I mean, take that, that inner circle that you are, that I invited you in, and open your heart and enlarge that. So I'm opening my heart and I'm sharing what the Father and the Holy Spirit and Jesus poured into my heart. And, and I'm opening my heart and and letting releasing to somebody else. I can't put old self, old feelings, and how I used yeah. to deal with things yeah. into that heart and, and try to mix that up and say that's discipling. Yeah. Uh, that's a, a, a misconception of what God intended for discipleship to be. So it's dying, totally letting go and say, God, I'm yours. I, I even trust you for the pain that I receive back from people that reject you. Uh, you know, you have to turn everything over for him for it to work. Wow, that's so good, Derek. Let me just stay on you really quick. Well, go ahead, Josh. Were you going to say something? Well, I was just going to add, um, you know, what it, to answer what it looks like every day. And this is something that we don't talk about a whole lot, but I think you know many of us realize it is discipline. It's it's day in and day out. It's doing things that you don't feel like doing. It's it's um, you know there, there's times where you don't feel like worshiping there's times where you don't feel like reading your Bible and but you do it you know and, and just if to, to go with the analogy of 
talking about parents, there's times where you don't feel like doing things, you know, in the sense of, uh, gosh, another diaper to change or another, but you, you do it. It's, it's, uh, number one, it has to be done, but, um, but it's a discipline. It's something that you do because you have a bigger picture in mind. You have a bigger goal in mind. And so it's like celebrate the small wins. It's like 5% a day is better than, you know, uh, you know, the, the 50%, you know, that people are trying to get in a week, you know, and, um, if you just focus on the, the small wins day in and day out, um, you know, I think that's the key. That's the, the, the discipline of being a disciple is being faithful with that and, and day in and day out. Yeah, I just even uh, going back to the word apprentice, what Dallas Willard, how he phrased it was apprentice to Jesus, which is discipleship, uh, being a disciple of Jesus. I just think about that word apprentice, how, you know, back in the day, um, they used to send their kids to, to work under a blacksmith to apprentice to become a blacksmith or, you know, a shoe cobbler or whatever the job is, that that was their job. That was going to be their future is they were apprenticing. Is that a word? Mm-hmm. Apprenticing. And um, and I think the same kind of what you're saying is like, sometimes it's like a job almost, you know, but this is like who you are, who you're going to be for the rest of your life. And it's, it's a good thing. It's good news, but it's not always like something that you feel like doing, you know? So, yeah, that's really good, Josh. I think another way of looking at it is I'm learning to live my life as if Jesus were in my place. Mm-hmm. Yeah. If he had my circumstances, my personality, my family situation. So I'm actually learning from him how to do that. I remember, you know, I, I read a lot of books, and I was reading a bunch of parenting books and marriage books, and they just didn't seem to be helping. Have you, have you noticed that sometimes it's like they don't have the situation that you're going through? Yeah. I remember one morning I was just kind of just waiting on the Lord, and I had my journal open. And I felt like the Lord's like, are you going to ask me for help in this situation? I'm just trying to figure it out with all the principles I learned from books. And it's like the blinders came out. I was like, oh, yeah, yeah. And so I, I remember like in 20 seconds, it was like, here's what you need to be doing for Mary. Here's what you need for Joshua. Here's what you need for Wesley. Here's what you need for Evan. Here's what you need for Zion. It was like just, I mean, I was as if he was in my place. You see what I'm saying? He was giving me the wisdom for that. But I was trying to get it in all these other places when, I, you know, he was the source of the whole thing. So I. Yeah, that was a, I'm learning to live my life as if Jesus were in my place. That's why I said even on a hot dog vendor on the streets in New York, you know, how would he engage the customers? Would he only do kosher hot dogs? I don't know. So, yeah, so. Okay, so Derek, I'm going to come back to you. Um, this is an audience question, okay? The question is, um, how do you know you're called to be a disciple? Oh, wow. It, it's so important. Jesus has a... If you think about it, uh, in, in, in a natural world, uh, maybe like karate or something, most of the students there, they're there to be disciples. They already have that longing to do that. But Jesus takes someone that is that is not even thinking about him. They're just doing their own thing. And but he knows what what's needed in them. He he's the one. He's the one that says, "I'm going to pursue you, and I'm going to show you my beauty." And and when he begins to tap into to your heart, just like he encountered disciples, he said, uh, "Hey, you're a great fisherman. Hey, follow me, and I'm going to make you a fisher of men." He began to say, "Well, this is what you're great at, but I'm about to make you great for me. I'm going to take what you're passionate with, and that same passion, I'm going to turn it for me, and it's going to set you on fire and set you into destiny." So I think it's just really uh, listening to God when he first connect with your heart about something that's great about you. He'll always throw that little hook out there and grab something that you that, that he is that he knows that you're excited about that you have uh, pleasure in and he'll compliment you on that and just to get your eye attention and then he'll say hey there's so much more to you there's so much more that's missing and then he'll begin to show you more and more and more things about him that that you're supposed to walk in that you're that you're called to walk in and then you'll start hungering and thirsting for that where your hunger and thirst was for things that were uh, other than him but anybody else uh, want to answer that how do you know that you're called to be a disciple well, Jesus never said make converts. He said make disciples. Mm-hmm. And so if you're called to follow Jesus, you're called to be a disciple. You can be, just like you can be a good student or a bad student, you can be, <laughs> you know, uh, you may, but you're, the calling is not to just believe. The, the calling is actually to trust. Mm-hmm. And I think that the, sometimes the gospel has been reduced down to believe these facts about one theory of the atonement. You know, believe these facts about Jesus' death and resurrection. And so let's just hit this for a second. Maybe you guys can riff off of this here. Um, yeah, it's not even the right word. 
but I feel like the, the charismatic churches, they've emphasized going after experience. Mm -hmm. The evangelical church has emphasized right beliefs, right doctrine. The, um, uh, let's just call it the liberal uh, gospel is focused on societal transformation. The problem is none of those get at the heart of the gospel, which is transforming the individual's mm -hmm. heart. Jesus is like, listen, if you don't get beyond the righteousness of the scribes and Pharisees, exterior rules, believing the right things, then you can't even enter the kingdom of heaven. In other words, you can't even enter into this whole kind of life that I'm talking to you about. Mm -hmm. So I think what's really missing, I remember someone was joking, said they were going to write a book called Why Are Christians So Mean? Well, I tell you why, I think we could probably all put a chapter or two in there from our experiences with Christians. And why is it? It's because they are not disciples. Uh, Jesus, the, the goal of Romans 8 is it says that you would be conformed in the image of Jesus, that love would characterize the core of your being. You're, Jesus says if you make the tree right, the fruit will be right. And so we don't, uh, I think we don't want to picture discipleship as a new set of behaviors that we do. Okay, a disciple is going to get up early in the morning and seek God. Uh, that may be the fruit, but the, the root of that thing, the, he says if you make the tree right, if the heart is right, then everything else that flows out of it. So I think we got to see, guys, that the... The goal of discipleship is that you become like Jesus, not that you do a whole bunch of new activities. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You, know, you know, as, as you, you were speaking there, Jim, I'm thinking how, um, you know, he said that they will know that you're my disciples, but the way you have love for one another. It's when they, yeah. the people who are lost see how you respond to one another. He said that is real. It's not, it's not by your acts of, uh, as, as far as, power movements, they won't know that you're his disciple by power. You know, you can lay hands and heal people. He said, that's not it. They'll, they'll know by how you respond at the heart level, the inside. Um, I just want to give you an example of it. Um, so I just, I said earlier that, you know, I was saved and it was eight years, I think, eight or nine years and before Alex was like, I don't know, something like that. It was a long time. Before he gave up. <laughs> before, he, <laughs> before he came to um, Christ. And there was... Um, there were a lot of people who wanted to come over to our house and tell him, you know, because they thought they could convince him. And he's, I'm like, you know, I live with him. He's, a, yeah, that always works. And, uh, you know, they, they, they cared about him, you know, so, uh, but I was like, no, um, because I love him. I love him. And he's smarter. I was like, actually, I loved them because he's smarter than most people I know. So, and I knew he could argue them out the door. So. But I remember, like, after he got saved, a lot of his testimony he gave, it was, like you said, in a marriage, you're discipled. And he knew me. So I got saved, like, after we'd been married for several years and even had Ariana. So it was, like, six or seven years after we got married, I got saved. And um, so he watched me. And he would say, like, you would go in your room. And he's a science, science guy. So he would, like, keep track. He's like, when we were fighting or you were upset, you would go in your room. And I'd watch you. And you'd read the Bible and pray. And you'd come out happy. And if you took a nap... You were still mad at me, you know, and it was all those things that he watched. And then he was like, mm. you wouldn't argue with me the same. You started treating me better. And it's like, mm. even though he didn't believe, I was like, I'm going to treat him like he is the head of our house and all those things. And I have people like, hey, this is how you can walk as a, a Christian, like wife, even in like, for, like act as though he's saved, like treat him with the same respect and all that. And so those were things that he was like, I know you and you can't change you like that. And it became a testimony, so. But. Yeah, I just, I want to say to all those people who, you know, maybe you, you're a believer in Christ, but your spouse isn't, take this, what she's saying, and do it. <laughs> Rewind and listen to what she just said, because we get, that, we get that question a lot, actually. Like, how do I, you know, we actually, I think we hit it a little bit last week, but, you know, I'm saved, but maybe my spouse isn't, and. Like, how, do, how does this work, you know? And so I think, like, what you were saying about being that example of love and still respecting him as the man of the house or, you know. And letting him see the transformation in you. Yes. I mean, he would help me get ready for church. He'd be like, okay, like, you go, you come back happy. Yeah. So, yes. you know, I was like, please, go. So. Yeah, the fruit. That's well, so we good. just hit something for a second because I think a lot of times people talk about the cost of discipleship. Let's look at the cost of non-discipleship. Mm -hmm. The cost of non-discipleship would be that Alex wouldn't be saved because it wouldn't be raised in a home filled with unity and, and, and ministry. And so, the, you know, the Great Commission, a lot of people are focusing on winning the lost and, and making converts, you know. But if you aren't already a disciple and you're going out trying to 
disciple people and bring them back into a group that looks nothing like Jesus, the whole Great Commission falls apart. And, and you can see that. So the cost of non-discipleship is we don't look anything different than the world. We just go to church and have some different, uh, different rituals. And so it's, it's, it's a high cost. And like, like I said, uh, the cost of discipleship is none of the Bible works for you. It's, it's not a book of formulas. It's a book of relationship. And so, it's, yeah, this, the whole thing blows up if you are not a disciple. <laughs> All right, this, this is going to shift a gear uh, just a little bit. Here's another audience question. Thank you for sending them in. You guys are doing great. Thanks, Mom. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so uh, how is transformation, personal or for a city, related to discipleship? How is transformation, either personal or for a city, related to discipleship? Wow. Uh, I think uh, uh, a city, it's always been on God's heart to have a city. I mean, his whole purpose, he created the heavens and the earth. He, he made a, uh, a, an he took an invisible, uh, you know, uh, thing uh, and, and made it visible for us to see. And he said, this is a visible world, and I'm going to have dominion in there, and I'm going to do it through my children. And he gave the, the earth to his kids, and he said, have dominion over the earth. Basically, cultivate the earth. Make it look and, and respond like it does in heaven. And so that's been the longing of, of God's, the Father's heart for all, of, all the time since we existed here on earth. He said, this is what I've always wanted. So when you really, as a disciple, you, you, as you go into the deeper things of God, the deeper things of God always come back to the heart of the Father. What did the Father want? And, and it's out of knowing his love and, and that he's always for you. And that, that, that same love begins to birth in you. And you say, man, I want to give him what he wants. I want, your, your whole desire changed from, oh, I, I need this, I need this, to what did the Father need? You know, what, and he, he, just like a water hose, the water goes through the hose. The hose is going to get wet, but the purpose of the hose is to get the water out into the dry field. You know, so we're the disciples. We don't worry about getting wet because we know that we're going to get wet. We're going to get our good, needs Derek. met. It's about the dry areas. Yeah, so that transformation always leads to discipleship in the city mm -hmm. or in your personal life. Well, we just, um, we're in Pataskala, so we just had the National Day of Prayer and there's a lot of unity in um, Pataskala. We've done uh, National Day of Prayer for several years, but this year it was online. And we had um, 11 pastors, like we all got together from different churches. And we've been through a lot over the last several years together. And um, like we actually pray for each other's churches. And it's probably one of the healthiest groups of pastors I've ever been a part of. <laughs> um, just really caring for the city. Um, the mayor always comes to our meetings. And so he, he asked different ones of us, like, have me come pray for the police station. We have another pastor. Wow. And she does, like, when they had a new police station, and she does, like, the fire. Like, she's a chaplain there, and they needed chaplains. And we have different, like, youth groups, but we also, like, send to each other's, and we work together just to do a lot of stuff. And it was really amazing seeing all, these, all of us pray in our different – it didn't matter about our backgrounds, but it was, like, really pastoring a city. And I think right. – um, it was cool to see one group prayed over families. I prayed for healing. Another person prayed for first responders and education. And it was just really cool to see all these different churches take responsibility for city transformation. And if we weren't there, I think they'd miss the church. And it wasn't just one church, but um, it started to change where if there is an emergency or something happens, the churches come together to meet the needs in the city. And we're working on what that looks like to actually bring even greater transformation. So. I think that discipleship takes addition and turns it into multiplication. And when, you, when you're talking about transformation, uh, look at what Jesus did. He took 12 rejects of society and discipled them it's like for the three years. like the bears. Yeah. Like, yeah. And, and uh, um, discipled them for uh, just a few years, and they turned the world upside down. Yeah. And it, it's, it's amazing to as you read the act, uh, you know the Acts of the Apostles, as you read, you know the, the the New Testament, and you see how these men who were unlearned, untrained, um, who had no background, no accolades, nothing in their corner that would say that they would be great or significant in any way, shape, or form, they flipped society upside down, and it was obvious that these men had been with Jesus. Yeah, and, so good. And so, um, mm -hmm. I, I think the the thing that you can point back to, the transformation that they saw was the fruit of the discipleship. 
and it all comes back to, all of those disciples come back to how they answered one question where Jesus said, follow me. When he said, follow me, how they answered that, how they responded, the degree in which they stepped out into that, the intentionality that they had to follow him, it, it, you see the fruit of, of that. And so, um, you know, and it's, it's just amazing to me to, to see, um, the effects of that kind of discipleship and, and how it transforms society. And when we just look at Jesus, we look at what he did and, and, um, and we're called to do that. And so what would it look like for all of us, uh, to be discipling a handful of people? We would go from addition to multiplication very quickly and yeah. I love in, in the book of Acts, you know, at one point it says they were added daily. Mm-hmm. And then at one point it shifts to where they were, they were multiplied daily. And the smallest uh, denomination of, of, of multiplication is double. And so they were doubled daily. And it was the effects of discipleship. It was the effects of one-on-one. It wasn't a mass crusade. It wasn't uh, multiple church services. It was, it was men and women of God living their life like Jesus and touching the people in front of them. It's just really powerful. Yeah. That's really good. Uh, let me just stay on you for a second. Here's another audience question. The question is, how do you know when you're ready to disciple someone? Uh, I think that we're always being a disciple. And, and so there, I don't know that there comes a point where you're ready. I think somebody's always looking to you, whether you know it or not. And so I've just chosen to live my life as if uh, my life is on display. I was not ready to be a father. And uh, here we are 10 and a half years later. We're finally out of diapers. No more diapers after 10 and a half years. But um, I was not ready to be a father. And, and um, it, it, you know, you could say, well, I'm, I'm just, I'm not going to be a dad because I'm not ready. And then you would never actually step into that. Are, are there some things that, you know, uh, you need to learn before you actually teach others. So you're not teaching them and replicating bad things. Absolutely. But um, at some level, I have to trust the Holy Spirit to, to be able to, um, you know, all we're doing is pointing people to Jesus. And so my main method for discipling people is when somebody comes to me, uh, which many of you are watching, you've probably had conversations with me, and this is my, my question to you. What is the Holy Spirit saying? What's God saying? And, and it's pointing you back to the Holy Spirit. And it's not about the wisdom that I have, but it's about your connection and relationship with the Lord. That's the primary focus. Yeah, that's, that's, the, that's the point in which we want to emphasize and encourage is that connection. That's it. And, and many times we've seen it done poorly where uh, men and women in authority have um, you know, just become Holy Spirit for people. And that is a bad um, uh, a bad view and a bad representation of what discipleship looks like. It's, it's pointing people to Jesus. And so I think at any stage, at some level, you can point people to Jesus. There, you know, yeah. um, I, I just think of the, uh, the Jesus came to the man of the Gadarenes and uh, the, the Decapolis there, and he cast the legion of demons out of him. And, and the guy wanted to come with him, and Jesus said, no, like, you know, you, you stay here. And he just became the premier apostle over a Decapolis, a 10-city region. And the next time Jesus came back, there were masses of people that had been converted because of this one man's testimony. And so um, he was not, he didn't go through a Bible school. He didn't go through any seven steps to the anointing. He didn't have any of that. He just had a story. He had a transformation, and he turned around, and, and he began to share it. And so that's I think so that's, this is a beautiful picture. That's so good. I think sometimes we make it so difficult, you know, when really it's just living a life. Let me hit the other side of that. So I, I think you're, you're right. Like, we never feel ready to disciple others, but there is a readiness to be a disciple. You know, Jesus says, if you are not willing to leave everything, yeah. if you're not willing to hate father and mother, then you cannot be my disciple. Mm-hmm. And so if you think that there's anything else more important than following Jesus, then you can't be a disciple because you'll get, you'll get too distracted along the way. Mm-hmm. And so there is, Josh used the word intentionality. And when Jesus said, go and make disciples, he, he gave us the heart condition of someone who's ready to be a disciple in Matthew 13, where he says, the kingdom of God is like, it's a man who um, finds a treasure hidden in a field. And uh, he sells everything he has because this thing is way worth, worth way more than what he has, you know, in his, in his bank account. 
It's like a, a pearl merchant who, uh, you know, he found a pearl of infinite value, and it says, in his joy, he went and sold everything. Jesus is giving us the heart condition of someone who's ready to be a disciple, somebody who sees there's nothing more valuable than the opportunity to follow Jesus. This is an opportunity of a lifetime. Mm-hmm. And uh, when I, people talk about the cost of discipleship, really the, co- in the cost of discipleship is really just getting clarity about the bargain. Mm-hmm. It's like, hold on, I have to give up all of my Coca-Cola cans, but I get the entire Coca-Cola company? Like, I, I, like, when you look at the cost of discipleship, it's really foolishness, you know, to like, oh, I have to give up. No, no, look what you gain in return. Yeah. I get to learn from the, the maestro of life, mm-hmm. <laughs> the master of life, how to live life in his kingdom. And so I think that we, we do, there is a readiness there. And so the way we make disciples is by pouring salt in their tongue, by arousing their sweet tooth for the things of God, by, uh, by the way that we by the way that husbands love their wives, by the way that we demonstrate the kingdom, by the way that we prosper in every area of our lives. And those are, those are things that we do that we're ravishing them with the kingdom of heaven. We're giving them a picture of the coming attractions, like a movie, you get a little preview, you know, the fight scene, the chase scene. In our lives, they get a little picture of, oh, that's what it's like to be a disciple. That's how we make disciples is by ravishing them so that until they get to that heart condition and they're willing to pay any price. And then the next part is um, make disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Mm-hmm. Now, to baptize someone in the name of something is not a formula. It's immersing them into a reality. Mm-hmm. So one of the ways we make disciples is that we ravish them till they're ready to become intentional. Yes, I've got to have this. So I'll do, it says that violent people were forcing their way into the kingdom. I have to have this. But baptizing them means to immerse them in the reality of the Trinity. And so that's why it's so important for us to recognize God's presence. But you can also have that in a community of people because the Trinity was perfect love, perfect communion, perfect servanthood. And so as we replicate that life here on earth, then it says to teach them to obey, which the goal isn't to get them raw obedience. Remember, it's obedience from the heart. And this is that missing part that I said. Is that there's, it's that rapid spiritual transformation where I'm actually becoming a different kind of person. I'm putting off that old man, and I'm putting on this new way of love because I'm being transformed. And so... Well, as Jimmy, as you were speaking, I was thinking how how Old Testament was really focused on the Father, you know, the the law, the the standard, and then the New Testament we got introduced to the love, we got introduced through Jesus to the heart, and uh, that uh, where the Old Testament was saying I can't live up to this, Jesus said I'm gonna open up your heart, I'm gonna open up my heart and allow you to come in, and then after his death, the Holy Spirit was poured out, was gave us the power to walk out the That's love. Good. Yeah. The, you know, to raise the standard. That's like really that. good. Um, no, I just, uh, I think what, what you were saying, Jim, just about um, getting a picture of the bargain and, and that whole idea of surrender, the whole idea of the pearl of great price, like it's, it's, um, it's so important. And, you know, I, I know for me, um, I, was, I was a hot mess mm-hmm. and, and I, had a, I got a glimpse Mm-hmm. And I got a glimpse, and um, it was all it took for me to lay everything down, to walk away from relationships, to walk away from, uh, you know, pretty much everything, and, and to just begin to follow what is this, figure out what does this look like yeah. to follow Jesus. Mm-hmm. And, and just over the years, one of the, the things that I've um, loved, and, and one of my favorite passages is where Jesus um, visits his disciples on the road to Emmaus, and... Uh, and they're walking, and you know he's opening up scriptures to him, and and I think this is a picture of discipleship too. It, it, like as you're discipling people, and and then he was gone, and they said, you know, they realized it was Jesus, and they said, did not our hearts burn within us? And so as as somebody who Jesus uh, heartburn, yeah, yeah, Jesus heartburn, um, as somebody who um, is is following Jesus, like our. Uh, I want to live my life in such a way that when someone has a conversation with me, I don't care what it's about, that they walk away and say, did not our hearts burn within us? And it's not about me. It's about the Holy Spirit and allowing that that where Jesus said, my words are spirit in their life. And it will stir up something in them that they didn't even know was there. And uh, and so it's a beautiful picture of just wetting their appetite. I'm going to jump in on the actual question for a second. Um, not that you guys were like all at, off at all. I was trying to dodge it, but <laughs> it was, uh, um, but like I'll no, remember it. That way, when you're ready to be a dis- like ready to disciple someone else, and I just just kind of just was in my heart. Just that I have seen people um, jump in who probably shouldn't be discipling people because um, I've seen people disciple poorly, and I just think it's a reality that you can that can happen. 
Um, and I do think everybody's ready, but there are a few things I think really, when you're checking your heart, like just the fact that someone would ask the question, am I ready, is huge. Because it means that you realize you really take it seriously. And you're not just like flippant, like, well, I know everything I can, I'm just going to do this. So, um, but I feel like, you know, learning how to love, like, it's so important. And I, I'm like, when you learn, and it's not about you, because you love God and you love the person. And when you do that, you're not going to be controlling. It's not going to be about you. And a lot of um, being willing, ready to be someone who's discipling someone else is like, are you willing to lose them by telling them the truth? Like, I have to get my heart to a place where, if I'm discipling somebody, if you walk away from me and we lose relationship, but I'm pointing, pointing you to truth and pointing you to Jesus, I will do everything I can to deliver this to you in a way that you can receive it, but I'm not going to hold back and point you to truth. And so you have That's to good. really be ready to love people more than you love yourself, um, to move past insecurity and all that stuff, to really um, want to pour your life into people and not so that they will do anything for you. So that it's really just to point them back to Jesus. It's really... Am I ready to serve and to give it away? And not because I feel good about myself and I'm going to put it on Facebook, but just to really, just to give it away. Hashtag discipling. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Don't do that. No. <laughs> Don't do that. Okay, this is kind of a um, quick question, Jim. I'm just going to ask this to you. You had brought up a little bit about um, learning uh, from a, a, communi- a church community or community of believers. And one of the audience questions is, how do you become a disciple if you aren't connected to a church? And I know you and I had spent uh, two and a half years out of church, <laughs> even though we were believers. Uh, so wh- how would you answer that question? How would someone get discipled if they're not part of like that community of believers? Yeah, I think, you know, sometimes we go through those desert seasons where the Lord's kind of hiding you away and he wants you to learn from him. But I will say this, there is no picture of New Testament Christianity apart from a local church. You know, church is not a building, it's the plural of Christ followers. Where two or three are gathered, there, there's the church. And so I would say um, it's, uh, you know, with, with technology now, you, you can engage people. You know, there, there's some ways to do that. But, you know, to feel connected, even if maybe like you're a shut-in or something like that, I think there's some neat ways there. But I think just, just an honest answer is there is no way to be discipled uh, apart from a local church, from biblical Christianity. There is no picture of the Lone Ranger um, out there in that. And uh, so, But I do think that sometimes God has you do seasons where, you know, it's like he took Paul away to, the, um, you know, to Arabia in a desert for three years. And, and so he was learning things from the Holy Spirit. You know, but then he's in community with other people. And, they're, you know, and so I think that, uh, you know, I don't want to just paint that picture of it's just me and Jesus, it's just me and Jesus, well, um, that's pretty arrogant, you know. He, he made you to be a body, you know. The church is a body, and so uh, we need each other. And so I get really nervous for the people who are just them and Jesus because that means no one gets to speak into their life, and as soon as you do, they get offended and go, and uh, tra- I'm, I'm here to bring the kingdom in this environment. It's like, oh, geez, here we go again. Come on. You know, we're, we're so thankful that mm-hmm. we're your 10th church in 10 weeks, you know. And so, and so uh, did I say, you know, sorry, can we edit that part out there? <laughs> but yeah, it just makes me it just makes me a little nervous, you know, when someone uh yeah. So so if somebody is in that place of kind of wilderness where they really just need a break from church, maybe yeah, they've can, come from Some people a, need a detox. It's I think I think it's legit. So how how would they disciple how would they get discipled then? Yeah, well, I think it, um at some point you have to be a self-feeder. You know, and so if you are um if you're if God's leading you into one of those seasons one of those seasons, you're gonna have to be able to take off the bib and feed yourself. You know, and so I, I I'm not saying that when you're mature you don't need people. I like I feed myself on teaching every single day. I mean that's a gift of the body of Christ. But I'm saying if God's leading it like where you don't need the you know, you're not it's a season where you're not in the church, you're gonna have to be able to feed yourself. You're gonna have to be able to open up the scriptures and meet the author in there. You're gonna have to be able to hear from God and you know you're transformed as you're obeying. You know, it's, you're, not, you're not transformed just sitting there reading. Like, that can shift some mindsets, but it's in the action of following Jesus where I'm, I'm carrying out his will, where somebody's being nasty to me and I'm tapping into him and I'm responding in kindness. That's where the change is taking place. And so they're going to they're gonna have to, you know, it's going to be tough to do it in a cave by yourself. You know, it's, uh, yeah, I think I said it. Anitra. Uh, I think... I were that person, I would, and I, we've been through different seasons, but you need to be really honest with yourself about why you're not connected. 
Like, you need to be really honest about are you disconnecting because you're hurt? You know, are you disconnected because you're bitter? Um, and just realizing no matter what church you go to, like I've gone into denominational churches and different churches and felt Holy Spirit so strong. And just like the heart of like different believers, like doctrine might be different, but like the heart of um, the people caring for Jesus, you know, it's really there. And so I think that if you're disconnected, like Jim said, because God has you in a wilderness season, you need to make sure. You need to make sure that you really heard from the Lord and that you're willing to hear him about coming out of it because you should come out of it and you need to be connected to people. And I would say do whatever you can to make sure that you're getting some kind of accountability, that you're letting somebody speak into your life. Even if you're not able to be there on Sundays, like reach out to somebody. I mean, I remember, you know, when Alex, I was trying to ask for people to pray for him to be saved. I had him on like prayer boards all over the world. (laughs) But I mean... (laughs) You have to be really intentional about, I'm sure even in your wilderness season, you probably guys still had people that you checked in with and, and had people who were speaking yeah. to you and be like, how are you guys doing? So. No, they just all thought we were crazy. They did think, yeah. They, <laughs> well, eventually, hopefully. We but, had uh, each other. <laughs> yeah, you had each other, but we you're going to have to make sure somebody's like And we had Bill Johnson CDs. I think that Bill saved Johnson our life. Johnson was, was like, right Jim and Mary, come on out. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so I guess that, that's because I have seen people go into those seasons and stay out of church way too long. Yeah. Um, for hurt and stuff, so. Mm-hmm. Derek, did you want to add to that? Yeah, um, uh, the picture of a cross, it, it goes straight up and down. It also goes across this way. So you cannot just have a relationship with just me and Jesus, me and Jesus. Wow. Because it, it, it's got to come a point where you begin to love your neighbor as yourself. Yeah. So, the, so the things yeah. that, that are poured into your heart, your, your cup begins to overflow, and then you hear Jesus saying, hey, there's somebody over here that needs it, that needs me. And that love, you just got to get it out. You got to get it over there and, and find something else, somebody else that's dry and pour it to them. So it's just a constant meeting and, and desiring to put a jewel in this crown. That's really good. So their advice is find a church community. (laughs) Um, But I I will say, too, just from the opposite side, when we were in that place of out of church for a minute. 32 months. There was, you know, sometimes there's a point in your life where there there could be too many voices in your life. And you need to come, come back and just get grounded in Jesus and let the Holy Spirit teach you for a short bit, you know. But... But, you know, just just be willing and, and uh, obedient when the Holy Spirit says, hey, okay, it's time to come out of the closet now and get, get back plugged into a community of believers. Okay, I'm going to ask you um, one more question because we're running out of time. And this is from my list, okay? What are the possible outcomes of living this Jesus kingdom life? other than just being a good person or going to heaven and not hell, do we get superpowers? <laughs> I think... Uh, the, Hold your mic up, Derek. Well, in my, in my opinion, the, uh, the thing I look forward to, I, I get asked all the time, well, how, how big is your ministry, Pastor? How big is this? And, and I remember saying to people all the time, you know, the, the, the thing that I focus on is now, not the numbers. It's it, it, does God love me and do I love Him? Therefore, I'm successful. So I think that's the big thing. Understanding that that it's it's if I can get out of out of this ministry, out of this walk with Jesus, is that He is so proud and so happy with me, and he, and, and I moved His heart. Uh, that to me is everything. Everything else is icing. You know, I, I love the, the my wife. I love my children. I love everything. But if 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 I know in my heart that inside the core of everything he is loving me and i'm loving him and that's the apex of everything so what it, what are the possible outcomes of living this jesus kingdom life so if i came to be a disciple of jesus what are the possible outcomes other than just being a good person or i'm not going to hell because I think that's like bottom line. Like a lot of people just well, those look are at two it that good way. benefits. Just to those start are off great with. benefits. Those are, if but, but if there else? was nothing else, that would be enough. Yes, there that would be enough. Uh, I, I, I'll I'll just pop in here. I love the way Timothy says it. The life that is truly life. You know, when Jesus said He came to give you eternal life, it doesn't mean you're going to live forever. Everyone's going to live forever, whether it's in heaven or hell. It was actually an eternal kind of life. And so Jesus actually came and he brought the future with them. He said, the, you actually get to taste of the powers of the ages to come. So we actually get to live in the presence of God. 
we get to live on a holy power that's not our own. We get to live with divine companionship, you know. We get to have uh, words of knowledge and um, uh, prophetic insight, and we can have the power to heal the sick. We can, we can do the things he did. Now, we're all growing in these things. I mean, we asked for the oak, oak tree, and Jesus is like, here's an acorn, <laughs> you know, and we're like, hold on, I want the oak tree. And so we're, we're growing up into these things, and so I don't think we need to feel bad about where we're at, but I think we need to not be satisfied with where we're at. But I think we, we get the eternal kind of life. It's the same kind of life that God himself experiences that he's now sharing with us. I, I mean, uh, this is probably a really simple answer, but I think anything's possible. Um, Luke one thirty seven. no promise from God falls void because with him all things are possible. And, and so uh, I would encourage you to dream big, to uh, begin to get God's heart for uh, your your neighborhood, your city, your state, your country, the nations of the That's world. Good. What would it look like for the for uh, the Lord to just uh, use uh, you know you to to touch the world around you? I mean, I think of men and women you know that we read about in church history who have turned the world upside down, and you know uh, uh, I think of I, I have a lot of honor and respect for for Reinhard Bonnke, and he was a nine year old boy that heard the voice of the Lord at ni- age nine in post war Germany that said Africa shall be saved, and he lived with a conviction that that yeah. would happen. And he went on to lead 80 million people to the Lord in, in, the, in the continent of Africa. And so um, Billy Graham's another one. There's, the, there's um, men and women of God who have turned the world upside down because they believe that if I just have him, it's enough. If I just have him and I have his dream, a God-sized dream, uh, then it's possible. And so, you know, for me, I try to remove the barriers. I try to remove, uh, to, to not put them in a box to say like, well, this is, if, if I'm a disciple, then this is what's possible because anything's possible. I love that. I guess, um, as far as like superpowers, I think the world, like when the world does look at somebody who follows Jesus, like I know people saw my life now, and then before I was a disciple of Jesus, it would look like I had superpowers. And I, I think, I mean, compare because that's what it does look like. I mean, maybe you don't notice it, but it is the acorn that grows into the tree. And um, I would really just say, like, it's so worth it because people used to say, like, don't you hate it when God has you, like, die to yourself on something? I'm like, no, I love it because I know the payoff is so good. And, like, when you're, like, pain is good with God, you know, and I have my kids read the Bible. We, I say, like, what do you feel like God's saying through that? Or what's really standing out to you? And I can hear their heart through it. Like, I just feel like he's, like, he says he'll never leave me, you know. And so maybe for you, like, people out there listening, like, maybe you're somebody who's, like, I hate to be alone or I have abandonment issues or I, I was, you know, I'm afraid of betrayal. Like, all of those things. Like, he did, he promises all of those things. And as we go after him, like, all those fears and those insecurities and limitations, they fall away. and We become a better self than we ever dreamed possible. Before Derek answers, let's just hit this thing on superpowers, okay? <laughs> so, um, <laughs> Philip teleported. He was translated. Yeah. Jesus walked on water. He levitated. He had telepathy. He knew what was in their hearts. He, uh, I mean, I mean, you start going, you start going through some of these things. He uh, had control over weather. He rebuked storms. I mean, like yeah. these are like mutant superpowers that are like that's their only thing. He had all of them. Right. You know, he was able to heal the sick. He was able to use his language and curse a fig tree, and it was able to, you know, he was able to multiply. He was able to face shift through walls. I mean, you know, multiply food. Yeah, I mean, you, you just start going through it, and it's like, hmm. Yeah, yeah, and so uh, I, I think I think those superpowers, the, the reason that it resonates with us is because we know we were born for more than just the natural. Mm-hmm. You know, I think it, it puts an appetite in us, and, it, you know, there, there's a part of us like, I don't want to go too far, and, you know, there was, uh, there was the flying friars back in, what was that, the, uh, what was yes. it, the, the 1500s, or, so, yeah. yeah. Where they were like, you know, multi-story buildings, they were like fires, and they, like they would like fly into them and curse those flames and stuff. I mean, there's there's some wild stuff throughout church history, stuff, and yeah. um, well, I, I'm not I'm not content to just let it stay in history. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know what what else is possible? Mm-hmm. Right. You know, I mean, we're, I mean, we want to see Down syndrome. We want to see you know, we want to see more and more healed. So. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
So if you see Jim flying later, <laughs> yeah. do not be surprised. I'm not afraid of the flying, but knowing how dork I am, the landing is what scares me. It's like the greatest American hero. I'm just picturing some of that. He's going to practice when the camera's off. <laughs> yeah, that's right. I, mean, I can barely walk straight. So flying, yeah, and Laura's going to have to really help me. <laughs> Derek, you, you started off answering this question. Did you have anything else to add? No, no, I've just... All right. All right. I don't want to skip you since Jim said that. All right. Well, cool. Thank you guys so much for your questions. We got to as many as we could. I'm Put in the comments other uh, superpowers that uh, you see throughout the scriptures. I yeah. mean, we, we named a couple of them. Drop a couple more. I'm sure there's some that we thought I uh, didn't think of. That'd be good. Yeah. Start contending, you know, for the more anything is possible. Thinking telepathy when the axe floated. Anyway, keep going. Okay, well, I am gonna uh, getting ready to turn this over to Sean. I have a question for him, and uh, he's gonna take us uh, towards the ending of our of our meeting today. So, Sean, here's my question for you: Why should someone become a follower of Jesus Christ? What's well, a question I think everyone has to answer? I think it's a question that everyone has to consider in their life. And so uh, if you're listening today and you're hearing some of this, but you know you're disconnected from Jesus, I want to tell you some really good news. You know, the Bible is full of revelation and truth about who Jesus is, but it's also full of revelation and truth about our condition. It's also true about what is really happening in the human heart. And uh, as you guys were hearing this message this morning about becoming, what does it look like to be a disciple? First, you start uh, by having to be a follower, being a believer. You have to start somewhere. And today, if that's you, I want to encourage you here in a moment. We're going to give you that opportunity to become a follower, to start. No longer pushing it off to tomorrow, but starting today. Jesus, uh, his first five followers were all really unique and different. Uh, two uh, came right away, and then Jesus brought those two and found a man named Philip. And he went to Philip, and he said, come and follow me. Then Jesus went on, and, and, and uh, they, they wound up finding uh, Peter. And with Peter, they rename him. Peter just rena gets renamed by Jesus. And then with Nathaniel... He finds Nathaniel through Philip. Philip went ahead and told his friend Nathaniel, we found the anointed one. We found the one that was prophesied about. We found the Messiah. And Philip, uh, Philip's friend Nathaniel responded, can anything good come from that area that this Jesus is from, of Nazareth? You see, Nathaniel had prejudice in his heart. And Jesus still wanted him. Jesus still knew what he was capable of, still knew what was happening inside of his heart, still knew what he was created to be, who he was created to be. And wherever you're listening from right now, all these men and women that we read about in Scripture, ones you might know in person, all of them have said yes to Jesus to become a follower. It's the question that we have to answer Luke 15 has this amazing picture of what it looks like to say yes to Jesus, what it looks like to be disconnected and to be connected to Jesus. And it says that, that it likens it to a son that went away and squandered his wealth and just lived wildly. And then it says a famine came. And when the famine came, when there was nothing left, when he was emptied out, body, soul, mind, and spirit, he came to a place of realizing that he needed someone else, that he needed this, this father that he ran away from, that he needed, there was a hole in his life for God that he needed. And so the story that he, he, he goes back to the father, he goes back to his family that he ran away from, and he just says, man, if I can just get into that household, they could take care of me. And it says that while he was still a long way off, he saw the father run after him, you see, Jesus today is running after you, even though you feel like you're a long way off. The way that, that some of us, Peter, was, his name was changed by Jesus. See, we don't need just a better version of ourselves or our past redeemed. We need to be a whole new creation. And today, Jesus wants to make you into a new creation. You see, he became sin on a cross for us as God's one and only son so that he would take up all of our, all 
of our sin, all of our wrongdoing on the cross so that we can have faith in Jesus and invite him into our lives and be set free from the sin of our past and the, and the slavery that sin brings. So some of you are in a pit. Some of you are in a place that you've been in for a long time and you know it's time to come out. You know you feel trapped. And today is your day to say yes to Jesus, to say yes to the Lord. Some of you have also been circling. I was hearing the Lord say, some of you have been circling around church for a while, but you've never said yes. Jesus' first two disciples were with John the Baptist and they circled around Jesus and they said yes to him. Today is your day to say yes to Jesus, not to church. If you're in a pit, today is your day. If you need renamed. Today is your day of salvation. So, so you're going to see a number here on the screen, and I'm going to pray in a moment. And if you want to say yes to Jesus, I want you to just repeat after me in your own words. I want you to just right now, just quiet your heart knowing that you need saved. If you're at that place and you don't want to let another day go by, you don't want to let another night's sleep go by, anxious in the night, you don't want to wake up worried, stressful, in fear, Jesus wants to come into your life right now today. The Bible says that today is the day of your salvation, that this is a question we all have to answer. There's a physical death, an eternal death, there's a spiritual death, and right now, Jesus wants to redeem you from spiritual death. He wants to change your physical reality. He wants to to, to give you eternal life, and so if that's you today, I want you to just pray this with me. Just go ahead and close your eyes and say, Jesus, I invite you to come and fill my heart right now. Jesus, I receive your love Jesus, I repent of living life apart from you. And God, right now, to the best of my ability, I ask that you would come in and I give you my life. I give you all of it, Lord. I exchange my past, Lord, for your future. I exchange, God, what I have, where I have been, Lord, and I take you up on your offer for eternal life, for salvation. God, to know what it is to walk in peace and wholeness, to know your forgiveness, Jesus. I invite you in now, and I say, yes, Lord, save me. I give you my life today in Jesus' name. You're going to see a number here on the screen, and and we would love to celebrate with you. The good news is that Jesus wants to come and invade every place of your life right now. So if you've given your life to the Lord, it doesn't matter if you're listening live or if you're listening on replay. I want you to make sure you text Jesus to that number that you're seeing so that we can reach out to you. The number is 614-333-1101. Please text us. We're going to get someone connected to you right away. It doesn't matter if you're in in some part of the country. It doesn't matter. We're going to... help you get connected. We're going to help you just take next step in your faith, regardless if you're here in central Ohio or if you're listening from afar. We want to celebrate with you. We want to help you get you on the right track. So make sure you text that number uh, as soon as you can. So I'm going to kick it over to Derek and Shatisha Williams to close us out today. Bless you. All right. Hallelujah. How you guys doing? My God, I am so happy. I'm overwhelmed with joy. That your decision to accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. And let's just give a moment and just give thanks to God for their life. Amen. We're just excited about your decision of making Jesus Christ your Lord and Savior today. Yeah. You know what I was thinking, uh, Shatisha? That, you know, God came to the earth and brought uh, a kingdom. A kingdom that is full of children. A kingdom that's full of family. And that's what we're inviting you into, the family of God. And family has brothers. I'm Brother Derek. This is your sister, Shatisha. And if you're anywhere here local, I want you to get here and connect with us on the Apprentice of Jesus class. Amen. That's going to be on Thursdays. I want you to get here and connect uh, with the Apprentice of Jesus class on Thursday. And you can do that by uh, texting Jesus, as uh, Sean said earlier. And we're going to get that number. We're going to get you plugged in. And we're going to introduce you to the rest of the family here at Zion. And if you're far away, if you're in an area you cannot get here to Zion, continue to connect online. Continue to connect with uh, what we're doing on live streaming at Pickerington and here at Powell. Uh, It's so important that you continue to grow and mature in the things of God. But we're going to reach out and we're going to pour into you everything that God has given us. We're going to give to you. And we want to see you move into your destiny and your power. So we're looking forward to that. Text that number again. It's 614-333-1101. And we bless you. You have a wonderful day. See you next week. Before we leave, before we leave, all next week, I want you to love you.